Hello, beloved. How is everyone today? I pray that you are well. That you feel the love of God in your life. If you're listening and you're a military member, I don't care if you're a vet or active duty, I'm hugging you right now. I'm telling you, you have value. And you are appreciated. And I just pray for God's strength, God's peace, and God's protection over every single member of our military, our first responders. Anyone that's in harm's way right now, God, please put a shield about them. For firefighters in California and Oregon and Montana and Colorado and everywhere on the West Coast, guard over them, protect them. We had David, David Brimer at the lighthouse this week and Thursday night he said, I feel like there's trauma here tonight. He, he doesn't know that Ridgecrest is a military town. And many time we lose a service member, it affects us. It affects all of us because most of us are veterans. So we take that stuff really personal. So any of you that are listening, that are struggling, that, that are lost in this chaos that we call life right now, I just pray that God, that God shows you His grace, that God shows you mercy, that God shows you His tenderness. Because God really does want to move. God really does want America to be the land of the free the home of the brave, where we can have religious freedom, where we can be Americans. Today we're talking about what it means to be mature, how to have a mature life in Christ. And I think I'm going to blow some of your minds today. I think I'm going to say things that you're going to question. And that's good. I hope you read your Bibles. I hope you pray. I hope you seek God in a beautiful, constructive way. Because, friends, it's, it's time for us to question everything. It's time, especially for us as believers, to start going, is this God's plan? And what I'm doing week after week, is that serving God? Or am I just serving myself? So we're going to talk about what it means to be a mature Christian. What it means to be mature in Christ. And i got to tell you guys, I used to think that, that I understood this. That I had great apologetics that I knew how to speak and teach on the message of the cross, that I had correct eschatology, that I had gained knowledge from other pastors and teachers that pointed toward a correct view of how the end times was going to be, how it was going to play out. I also felt like I had matured because I had moved beyond, I had moved beyond the teaching of the love of Christ. 
and got into the, the meat and potatoes of Christianity. You know, I, I still believed in, you know, the love of God, the sacrificial love of Jesus. But I really taught about holiness and, and prayer and long-suffering and the atonement. And I would do whatever it took to bring converts to Christ. I felt I was speaking in such a way that would draw people to the cross. And friends, not that any of that is bad. All of that has its place. But was I teaching in such a way that I was helping you to become a disciple for Jesus Christ? Was I teaching in such a way that the church as a whole was becoming more Christ-like? Because that's, that's what I've been commanded to do. That's the mandate that I've been given from God. To make disciples. Not converts. And we've kind of stepped away from, from what the Bible taught us and how to walk in love in kindness and maturity this is Ephesians 4 11 through 13 and it says so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Becoming mature so that we can be built up in unity. And I know for the last couple months, this has been my cry, amen? Unity. Working together for God's kingdom. So how did we, as the ecclesia, as a church, how did we get to the point that we stopped teaching in such a way that we no longer use the full gospel to point ourselves and others towards the love of Jesus? How do we stop using all of the gifts that the Father had given us? We came to a point where, where we no longer wanted the leadership of apostles. We no longer wanted the revelation of a prophet. The heart change that came from the teaching of an evangelist, we, we just weren't comfortable with that. Somehow we decided that, that we just needed shepherds and teachers, caretakers, and, and knowledge became the American church. Us pastors became caretakers. We became knowledge brokers. And I truly believe that, that when we took that right or that hard left turn, whatever you want to call it, that it was a fatal detour. And at that point, we chose wisdom over love. And the face of Jesus 
was forever changed because of that. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9 says this. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-controlled, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection. At the mutual affection, love. <laughs> Notice it, it ended with love going on. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Guys, in order for us to be Christians, we have to acknowledge we're sinners. We have to acknowledge that sometimes we miss the mark. We have to acknowledge that we were saved by grace. We're not these great people. We're just people. Our friends and our neighbors that, that have drug addiction and have alcoholism and, and maybe you're living a homosexual lifestyle. God loves them no less than he loves you and I. Do not forget that. Do not forget who Christ took away from us. That man, that woman that had to die in order for Christ to, to gain a foothold in our hearts. We are no better than anyone. If we want to be like Jesus, then we have to be and be and do. We have to do church like Jesus did. In order for us to be mature believers, then we need to model our discipleship programs after Jesus. In order to train and equip the ecclesia, we need to train people up to love one another and to work towards sharing the love that Jesus shared while he walked the earth. Jesus spent the majority of his years of ministry loving people, spending time with them, developing forever friendships. We have developed a church today where we make sure people can come in, sing some songs, hear a message, and go home. We are encouraging Christians have a busy life, that they have a self-serving life, where we just don't have time to develop friendships. We just don't have time to, to have true relationships, to have fellowship with one another. No intimacy, no time in prayer, no sharing our, our troubles and our joys. We used to be known for our potlucks. <laughs> Amen? I mean, as a kid, man, it was like every Sunday there was potluck. We hung out at church afterwards. And when I first became a Christian, I remember I got to church at 8 o'clock in the morning. I got home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Sundays were for church. And, and guys, I'm not saying I'm innocent of this. I mean, I do Saturday night church. 
so that you can have all Sunday to rest or to race or to climb a mountain. But I still encourage you, whenever you're doing fellowship, to hang out. We like to do meals together after church. I like to bake something, and the few people that actually come here live, we try to break bread. We try to have time together as friends, as believers. Because that's how we grow in Christ. We, we sharpen each other. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That's how we grow. That's how we get stronger. We got to spend time talking about deeper things. When we now want to train up leaders, we send them to class. We feed them information, knowledge on, on how to be good leaders. But where's the practical knowledge? When are we sending people out two by two? When are we getting ourselves out to share the good news? To pray over people, to encourage our neighbors? When are we doing that? How do we develop relationships with non-believers to share with them Jesus Christ if all we do is go to church for an hour on Sundays? We go in, we grab a cup of coffee, maybe a donut. I miss donuts, so I hope you enjoy them. We sing a couple songs. We hear a great message. That wasn't God's plan. That was not what Jesus did. This is Luke. Luke 9, 1 through 6, it says this. It says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news in healing people everywhere. Doesn't that sound amazing? I'm going to tell you guys, I'm getting so excited about going to Africa. Because I feel like I'm going to be able to be practical in my ministry. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I get blessed to pray over people all week long. I get to do counseling with people. I get to, I get to go pray over my neighbors. I get to go out to races and, and pray over everyone at the lines. I get to go into hospitals and pray over the sick. I get to call my friends who are ill and pray over them. I get to do practical things for the kingdom. But man, to go to Africa? Where honestly, sometimes the only medicine someone's going to get is Jesus. My faith is going to be challenged. 
my beliefs are going to be stretched. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn how to be a better disciple because I will be walking in it. In order for us to get closer to God, in order for us to have this relationship with our Heavenly Father, we have to walk in what it is to be a disciple. I can tell you in my experience that a, a week in an orphanage overseas or even doing street ministry in any city in America is a better tool to change hearts and to see the, the need for the power in the kingdom. It's easy to talk about Jesus in church. It's easy in a class that is full of other believers, but, but to grow as a disciple, to grow you have to go. That's my catchphrase today. To grow, you have to go. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to spend time with people. You have to develop relationships. Jesus sent out the 12 pretty quickly after they came to know him. Once they were on board, he sent them out because he knew He knew that teaching and head knowledge and actually doing are two different things. We learn to love by watching people love, by being in tough situations and having to depend on each other for success. We have made the pursuit of knowledge more important than the pursuit of being a disciple. Do not be confused. It is different. The apostles became those amazing men of faith by doing, by going out, not by knowledge, not by hearing the greatest message. And yeah, you're listening to a great message today, and thank you. But honestly, I encourage you, get involved. Get excited about serving God. Find your niche. Find something that you want to do and do it. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3, it says this. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Did you hear me? I'm going to say it one more time because this, this is one of those things that I want you to understand. Say knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Yeah. We think that we're heading to maturity in Christ because we have so much knowledge about Scripture and doctrine. But our ability to move in the gifts of the Spirit are becoming less and less because we're not learning to love. We're not using the gifts that God's given us for His kingdom. Learning how to love is huge. Learning how to 
to love those that are hard to love is hard. It doesn't just happen. You have to choose. In my own life, the last few years, it's been about school. So I kind of feel like a hypocrite a little bit because I've spent the last three years of my life in school. And yeah, the first year and a half was, was all head knowledge, learning about, you know, how to do uh, good hermeneutics, to be able to read the Bible and understand what I'm reading. How to do the exegesis to get down and, and read the Strong's and, and get into the Hebrew, get into the Greek and, and truly understand why they were saying what they said to those people at that time. And learning that I can't take everything literally in the Bible. They were speaking to those people. Can I take the exegesis and use it for today? Sure, much of the time I can. And I'm glad I have that knowledge now to know that, that I have to be wise every time I read the Bible. I can't just take it. and use it exactly the way it reads. That's That was never God's intention. But guys, now I'm, I'm in the practical side of ministry. Healing, counseling, how to help those that are suffering loss. I'm learning how to love people. I'm learning how to use the scripture in such a way that I translate it into love, into what God wants me to do for his kingdom. We are learning how to be influencers, how we can find our niche in our community, how we can find our area where we can be influencers, when we can make a difference. Each of us has a gift from God and we have to find out where we can use that best for him. Whether it be in teaching, whether it be maybe in media, education, maybe you're supposed to be a pastor. Maybe you're supposed to be in government. Maybe you're supposed to be in business. Maybe you're supposed to pour seeds of faith. We all have talents. And we need to find them and use them for his glory. At the Lighthouse, we, we are giving each other this opportunity to love. Not just one another, but, but also the homeless, drug addicts, people that are abused, people that are suffering loss. Because they are the ones that need love. All the knowledge in the world cannot replace a hug. Amen? Words cannot fix a broken heart. Sometimes that's just time. Your time to share love. Your time to be kind to another human being. Your time to be Jesus to a friend or family member. Francis Chan says that 
one of the biggest signs that we are headed towards a spirit of knowledge and religion, we've talked about this. How in America we're kind of consumed by the spirit of religion. And he says the best way to recognize that is that we no longer make grace a priority in our life. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen? Grow in grace. We may be involved with churches and pastors that, that know a lot about grace. Maybe even teach a great meaningful message about it. But are they demonstrating grace? Are they living their lives in such a way where they're showing grace? And you know what grace looks like? It looks a lot like love. You know what grace looks like? It looks like serving with another church, even though they don't believe the same way you do. You know what grace looks like? It looks like hugging a drug addict, a homeless person, giving a hug to a LGBTQT person because they're a human and God loves them. That's grace. I want you guys to think about a brownie. I mean, my wife makes the best gluten-free brownies. I love them. They're delicious. And I can literally read the box and I can tell you every ingredient that is in that brownie. I could describe to you that, oh yeah, it's made out of cocoa flour and it has, uh, you know, an egg and it has some oil and uh, it has some baking soda and some sugar and uh, coconut flour and cashew flour and, you know, rice flour. And then she mixes it all up and then she bakes it. And they're delicious. And, and you'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. But if I took that bread and I took a bite of it, and you saw my face, how delicious it was. I told you the flavors of the brownie, how it was melting in my mouth, how the chocolate literally was so strong on my tongue, how the edges had gotten just a little bit caramelized, how the sugar was, was just the perfect amount. It wasn't too sweet but it was sweet enough to overpower the cocoa. How it tasted so good with just a little scoop of vanilla ice cream. Then you'd be like, man, I'd like to have that brownie. I'd like to eat that. Because I'm experiencing it. That's grace. I can tell you all about it. But because I've experienced it, 
it's real to me. Because God showed me favor and forgiveness and kindness and mercy, even though I don't deserve it, it's a lot easier for me to give you grace and show you grace and teach you about God's grace. I want to leave you with this tonight. You guys remember the story of Queen Esther? Yeah, Old Testament. Here was this this woman that um, they said was beautiful. And she found favor with King Xerxes. And so at just the right moment, she asked the king for a favor. And because of that, the whole Jewish nation was saved. Because there were some evil men that were planning their demise. There were some evil men that were planning on having all the Jews slaughtered. But because of Esther, Queen Esther, the Jewish nation survived. Because she was willing to risk it all, King Xerxes spared their lives. We kind of glaze over some of the facts of Esther's life. What she went through to save her people. We should probably look at that for just a second. Esther became a slave to the king basically a concubine she had to find favor with the king so that she would have a voice for her people the king had to find her attractive and want her to come back and be in his life I mean back then kings had thousands of of women at their beck and call And so Esther went through a lot to get to this place where she could see the king's favor. So that she could be a voice. Was it all an accident? Or did she hear and listen to the, to the tug in her gut? To the prompting of the Spirit of God? I mean, this story is so spectacular. It has to be from God. All the events that led up to her being able to ask Xerxes for salvation of the Jewish people, it took a lot of little miracles for that to happen. It took a great risk. Now, I love it when the Bible and history come together. Xerxes, well, he's the villain in the, in the movie 300. He's the, the evil king that, that's going to come and conquer, you know, the Spartans in Greece. He was known for his military power. He was known for his might. He was known for being brutal. When they say he was a giant seven feet tall. He was Persian king. He was the son of Darius. And in many military colleges, in universities, and in history books, he's quoted for this. It says, 
Great accomplishment comes with great dangers. It's no different in our faith. This, this little nugget, great accomplishment comes with great dangers. That's just life. In order for us to truly become disciples, in order for us to do what God's called us to do, there's going to be risk. There comes a point in time when we have to accept that. Either we're all in, as we talked about last week, or we're not. Being a Christian means you're wholehearted. You're living for King Jesus. Matthew 23, 37 through 39, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left, is left to desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus warned us not to be hypocrites. I mean, read all of Matthew 23 when we're done tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever, whenever you hear this. He warns us not to be hypocrites. If we want to change the world, we have to be influencers. We have to find an area that we can become leaders and then love every person that we are in contact with. Because that sacrificial love is what the cross was all about. And the sooner we see that, the sooner we can be effective for God's kingdom. And not only become disciples ourselves, but help others to become disciples. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, Father God, for the grace that you show us, for your mercy, for the fact that, Lord, even yet, even yet you love us. Even yet, Father God, you show us grace and mercy. Even when at times, Father, we, we turn our face aside. We don't look you in the eyes. We don't seek your face, God. Lord, help us to be men and women of the cross. Help us to become disciples. Help us, Father God, to get to a place where we no longer are so concerned with the world, but we're concerned with how we can change the world. Help us to become disciples, Lord. Help us to walk and talk without hypocrisy, in love, not only with you, but with our fellow man. Teach us how to love like Jesus did. We thank you, Father, and we ask again for your protection over every military family, God. Bless them. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, we love you. I hope you've enjoyed this message. I hope, I hope it hits you in the heart. Honestly, this... This week is very valuable to me because I feel this is the keystone for where we're going as a ministry. 
making disciples of all men because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do. If you guys ever want to help us or support us, uh, you can hit us up on Venmo, PayPal. We love you guys. Know that you are valuable to God. Peace out.